This is The Runwave, candid chats with real runners about topics that affect the running community. This show is sponsored by Midstrike Magazine, the first diverse digital running magazine. Use code The Runwave to save 20% off of your magazine subscription. Visit midstrikemagazine.com for more details. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Runway Podcast. I am your host, Kim. If this is your first time tuning in, Welcome to the show. If you are a return listener or watcher, welcome back to the show. I appreciate you tuning in week after week. This will be a very special and different episode because I am interviewing two teenagers from the organization Future Ancestors. They are a group of students who are in Louisville, Kentucky. They are putting on their first road race in honor of Brianna Taylor. They have an in-person race coming up in June and a virtual option as well, which I'm hoping that all of you at home will register for. I will leave a link down below in the description. The virtual option is $35. You can register for the race or you can donate to their cause. And, you know, it was great interviewing two young women. It makes you realize that the future is still bright. It's not all lost on this new generation. There are some of them out there that are doing good things within their community. And, you know, we have something to look forward to in our older age from the generation that is coming up behind us. So let's get into the interview. All right, everyone, please welcome Nubia Ali and Jamia Fletcher, members of Future Ancestors to the Runway podcast. How are you, ladies? Great. How are you? I am fine. Thank you. I know it's been a a, a while to get us connected. You know, I've been kind of busy and I know you ladies are busy as well with school and getting your race going. So I'm happy that you guys were persistent in getting on the show. I'm happy to have you guys. Of course. Thank you for inviting us. We are happy to be here. Yes. So tell me a little bit about Future Ancestors. What exactly is this organization? Okay. Um, so to be, or just to reintroduce myself, my name is Nubia Ali, and I'm the executive director of the Future Ancestors. So we have been active since December of 2020, and we are a woman of color and student of color-led social justice group from Wagner High School in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, and just with our whole project, we have been working to kind of get more justice for, you know, the Breonna Taylor tragedy that happened in the city of Louisville and as well as other injustices that we see, such as civil rights, LGBTQ plus matters, immigration, prison reform, and things like that, because those are all things that are passionate, that like we as a group are passionate about. So we wanted to kind of create a project to just, encompass all of that and kind of bring all of that together in one space so we've just been working on the race for justice since then um but yeah there's like 10 of us i think if i counted that right there's like 10 of us um like i said mainly woman of color mainly student of color led group and yeah we're mainly juniors we're mainly seniors but we have like a few juniors for you know 
the rest. But um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. So you guys, go ahead. Oh, you're okay. I was just going to say we like uh, the group. Um, we were like formed based out of the Justice Now initiative that they're doing in JCPS right now. Um, so we were all like recommended to like the people who were like doing the work uh, through JCPS. Like I think all of us were recommended by teachers uh, as well, like to join this group and stuff, like people who have like been vocal and passionate about like social justice issues. Uh, so yeah, um, we actually, like, I knew most of everybody, like, going in, but, you know, everybody was kind of recommended, so, you know, it was very, like, um, random the way that, like, our group came together, you know what I'm saying? Like, we didn't all really know each other that well, like, going into it. Mm -hmm. So when you guys say school, I just want to let my audience know that these ladies are in high school. So you both are in your, your senior year of high school, right? Yes, yes, thank ma'am. God. And just re- <laughs> repeat the name of your school again. Uh, Wagner High School. Okay. And so is Future Ancestors, is it an organization based in your school system or did you guys start it outside of school? So for this, um, like Jamia has stated, we were born out of the Justice Now initiative that was brought to Jefferson County Public Schools. Mm -hmm. So we kind of started as an extracurricular kind of club thing. um, And we were mainly virtual um, since everything happened like in December of 2020 with COVID. So everybody was kind of at home Mm -hmm. and it was an after school thing. So after our classes, we would just hop on a meeting for, you know, maybe what, two and a half hours or so. Mm -hmm. um, Just start planning and just kind of working things out of how we wanted this to look so I will say it definitely was something that we had to do outside of school but thankfully as we were able to transition back into the building we were able to get it formed into a class so we have that dedicated work period between I think 9 30 to 10 20 uh, Monday through Friday to work on our project and just kind of like you know see each other really outside of like a computer screen or something Mm -hmm. Um, so we have kind of made that transition but we did start as like an outside of school and extracurricular kind of thing. Okay. Do you have support from any teachers or faculty members in your school? Yeah, a lot of the the teachers really are really supportive of like our group and everything. Um, like most of the uh, teachers that we have at our school and like the faculty are definitely like really supportive of our project and they do like go out of their way to like vocalize that. Um, we have, like, our school in general is supportive. Sometimes we need to, you know, drag them a little bit to mm-hmm. <laughs> to kind of help us out, to kind of, like, spread the word about our project and everything. Um, but, yeah, we do. We have been able to do a lot of things, like, through this group and, like, through this project that have, you know, really highlighted, like, some positive aspects of JCPS as well. So um, all, the schools are you know, very supportive of the project and everything. Okay. Now you mentioned JCPS. What does that stand for? So yeah, JCPS, J- yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're okay. You're okay. Uh, JCPS is uh, Jefferson County public school. So that's like the public school system, uh, like within like uh, most, I think most all of Louisville, most of Louisville. Oh. Is con- yeah. All of Louisville is considered Jefferson County. So this whole County, like all the public schools that, you know, align with the county. 
Mm-hmm. So for those of us that don't know, how big of a city is Louisville? Because we know it's in Kentucky, but for those of us outside of that area, is it like a small city, mid-sized, big city? What would you consider it? Me personally, I would say that Louisville is one of the bigger, more like known cities in Kentucky. Because mm-hmm. like I know like a lot of people like, you know, how like there are some states where they have their cities. They're like, oh, like, you know, we're not from Florida. We're from Miami or something like mm-hmm. that. Like it's kind of like that with Louisville. So it's like, hey, like we're not from Kentucky. We're from Louisville. So like when people yeah. think of Kentucky, they think of the Kentucky Derby. They think of like KFC, all that stuff, which is like the most prominent in Louisville. So I would say Louisville's pretty big. Um, especially like when it comes to like other cities, maybe Lexington is like maybe just as big, but like, I don't know about all that, but yeah. I was Louisville's that- a pretty big city because, and I think, cause with the Jefferson County schools, I think, I think there are like over 20, like five high schools in the district. And I know, I know a lot of counties with not even 25 schools, period. Like, right. so you know, we we are a pretty big city, I think. Mm-hmm. So have you two lived in the city your entire lives? Yes, for the most part. Um, I moved to Florida just like a little bit, like when I was like a little kid. But like since mm-hmm. then, like I've been in Louisville. Um, yeah, I, I am not from here. I grew up uh, on the East Coast and then I moved to Ohio for a little bit. So I've only lived in Louisville for like five or six years now, I think. Mm-hmm. But most of, like, my, like, good memories that, like, I can remember a lot are from here. So I, I would consider this, like, one of the places that I, like, grew up. Mm-hmm. So we all know that Brianna Taylor was murdered by the police in Louisville. They knocked down her door. We've all heard the story, and we've actually... We heard the story. It made national news much later, you know, after it had happened. But I'm sure on the ground there in Louisville, you guys probably heard of it. Well, did you hear of it right after it happened or did did it did it make news? And then that's when, you know, everything started to get traction there. Um. I will say we heard about it. I'm still kind of recent just because it was in our city. But um, when everything was happening, like we didn't hear about it maybe until like a few hours or maybe even like a few days later mm-hmm. um, because everything happened on March 13th and it happened like in the really early hours like of the day, maybe mm-hmm. like 3 a.m., like around that area. So, of course, many of us were asleep. And, of course, you know, just with everything that was going on at that time, like it wasn't yeah. made breaking news in this area so we kind of woke up to it we were just like hey like the police came kicked down somebody's door someone's dead like we don't know like what really happened so it's like as time went on there were more articles coming up about it but it's like I remember like my mom was the one that had told me about it and I Mm -hmm. don't know how she heard about it but like she told me and at that time like I looked it up there was only like one or two news articles like that day like at that time Mm -hmm. that was really kind of talking about like what was going on but like the victim like she wasn't named like Mm -hmm. it didn't say anything like about her like it just stated that she was just like a black woman but like and she was just from Louisville Kentucky and like that was it Mm -hmm. so yeah because I think I think March 13th was the day that like the last day all the schools had in session before COVID 
Mm-hmm. And it wasn't really until um, George, the George Floyd story started uh, getting traction that we really started talking about, like, I guess, Breonna Taylor's situation. Because I know mm-hmm. when George Floyd, when his um, case got a lot of, like, attention, I know there was, like, uh, maybe three or four other names that got, like, kind of thrown around as well that, like was like, oh, wow, this happened to George Floyd. Would this also happened here, too? And so there was a couple of names that rose out of that. Breonna Taylor, Elijah, I believe his last name McCain. was McAtee. Mm-hmm. No, David That's McAtee. David. Yeah, I think Elijah McCain, if I'm yes, not Yes, Elijah mm-hmm. McCain, David yeah. McAtee, and George Floyd were, like, the four names that I heard the most around, like, that time. So it was around that time that, like, her story and what happened to her started getting attention Mm -hmm. so how did her hearing about what happened to her affect you guys personally because she was older than you but not really by that much you know she could she could have been your your older sister your cousin your aunt so how did it affect you personally hearing about her story it was terrifying like it was really really scary and you know obviously you hear stories like this all the time, as sad as as that is. And it's just kind of like, I don't know, it kind of like reminds you like how like fragile you are and like how kind of like, like, you know, she was asleep in her house. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So where where do we like draw the line of where we're supposed to feel safe? You know what I'm saying? And I... I can remember when the verdict came out that day and it was just like the energy in the air was just like off. Like you could feel it. You know what I'm saying? So it was just like, it was really, really difficult. And especially like through this, um, through this project, we've talked about her a lot and we've spoken with people who are like very close to her. So it's like, it's a really like tough subject and it's, you know, like, it's just extremely like sad, you know, so it was one of those moments that definitely reminds you how like fragile life is and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with Jamia. Um, just thinking about that, like it's heartbreaking really because it's like to know that we grew up in the same city as mm-hmm. her and to know that like everything happened miles away from where some of my family members live. And where some of my friends live. And like you said, to know that, like, that could have been someone else that I'm close to. You know, it definitely, you know, I had a friend, like, who said, like, she was even scared to, like, go to sleep. Like, after it happened, because, like, just out of that fear of just knowing that, like, like, Jimmy, said, like, how fragile your life is. And to know that at any second you could be placed in a position to where you're fighting for yourself and that you're fighting to keep yourself safe or having to fight to keep someone else safe. So I think, like... Just that and then just knowing, like, with the verdict and everything else that happened, like, following March 13th, like, it was just, like, it was, like, I don't even, like, know the city I grew up in anymore. Like, it's, like, really, it changes, it puts a lot of things into perspective because, like, we're not as far along as I thought we were and that Mm -hmm. I wanted us to be. So, to know that we're still kind of stuck in those times where we're still not at, you know, where we need to be, where we're not equal with each other like that was just kind of like re-emphasizing of course like that's scary obviously because like 
you know, we're still kids. We're still here. And it's like to know that like someone just a few years older for us who was doing things for the community, doing things for herself to know that she was taken by the people that were meant to protect us and protect everybody else. Like it was really like scary pretty much. And it was just heartbreaking to know like that's what happened to her. Mm-hmm. So it's been over two years since she was murdered. Is it still being talked about? Is it still a story in Louisville? Because I know national news, we don't really hear anything, you know, about it anymore. But, you know, I, I follow running groups that are still keeping her name alive and, you know, still trying to keep her at the forefront. But what what's going on locally there? I'd say locally, there's definitely still a, a strong... Uh, like drive for um, justice, like locally, you know, because we, you know, we do a lot of things like where we would hear her name. So maybe we are a little bit biased because the circles we run in would be the types of people who would keep her name alive. But I hear her name every single day. And I and I definitely see something about her I think every single day with like the people who I follow and like you know the just the local things going on there are multiple murals painted of her downtown that people can find so it's it's not very hard to hear her name or to come across her story like like living in Louisville I'd say so I think her like definitely people are still talking about it over Mm -hmm. here Mm -hmm. okay you want, did you want to add something, Nubia? Um, I was going to say kind of like for me, for it's kind of like the opposite. Um, because like Jamia said, like we do run in circles where we do hear her name constantly because that is part of what our project is about. But it's like ever since like March of 2020, like, you know, obviously like to post and like the awareness and the continued need for justice for Brown and Taylor, like, that has kind of just steadily, like, decreased. Mm-hmm. And it's not to say that people don't care, but it's just that at the time, like, it was just Brown and Taylor, George Floyd, mm-hmm. David Mack. Like, it was, like, person after person after person. And, like, I know that's, like, a lot to keep up with. And it's, it's draining. But, like, I would say, like, I think here in the city, like, I know people still talk about it because I know, like, obviously it's still important. But I just think as far as, like, coming from people's mouths and, like, the number of, like, posts that I've seen, like, outside of us, and the people that we associate with, like, I really don't see, like, as much, like, I don't know the word for it. Like, I don't see as much, like, attention to mm-hmm. it as, like, we used to. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, like, a big motivator in our project is to continue to, like, bring that to the forefront of people's mind and continue to get justice for her. Yeah, I mean, that happens. Nowadays, people's, uh, their, you know, life cycle of news is, like, it's so fast, so... You know, yeah. we were in a moment in 2020 and being that the officers were, were not charged with her murder, it, it kind of like no one's talking about it much anymore, which is, is sad. But you guys are, you know, doing what you can do to keep her memory alive and still fight for justice. So I commend you for that. So this is a running podcast and um, you're on the show to promote a race that you all are organizing. So tell me a little bit about this race. Is there a runner amongst your group? So I think the runner amongst the group would probably be our teacher sponsor, uh, Mr. Davis. Me personally, I do not run, mm-hmm. um, but I will be, you know, in the golf cart cheering everyone on. Mm-hmm. That's just not my thing. But um, I will say the runner in the group is definitely Mr. Davis. Um, we got a few walkers. I'll walk. I'll mm-hmm. walk. But um, aside from that, 
I think he's the big runner of the group. I'm I'm all leg and I'm like almost six feet tall, so you would expect me to be a runner, <laughs> but you don't want to see me out there trying to run <laughs> <laughs> to anyone. That mm-hmm. won't be a, that won't be something cute. Well, you can always walk or you can walk, yeah. walk and jog, jog. You know, walk and jog I'm, or just jog. We're going to be doing all of that. All of that. <laughs> so whose idea was it to do a road race? Where did that so, idea yeah. come from? Yeah. So um, our group member, Alayla, who is currently not here with us, she's one of our juniors. Um, mm-hmm. She had the idea of doing a race um, just because, like we said, just coming off of the pandemic and everybody being at home, you know, just eating sleeping not really being active like you know we could um you know some you know we just wanted to get out just get active again so she had the idea of doing a race specifically a road race mm-hmm. through the west end of louisville um but you know we've had some issues with that so we'll get into that in a bit but um she had the idea of doing the 26 miles um for each year of Breonna taylor's life through the west end of louisville mm-hmm. um just to keep everyone moving and just kind of show the city of Louisville's progress from injustice from like so long ago. So, mm-hmm. so you mentioned that you wanted it to be the marathon distance, which is 26.2 miles. So what happened with the city? I read on your website that the police were no longer <laughs> supporting large events or what, what happened when you tried to get permits for the race? Lord, speak your truth. Yeah, so that was a whole ordeal. So we have been kind of fighting with, so with like, you know, the people who like do races, because obviously we're, you know, 17 year olds, we have not organized a marathon before. So we have had to, we have had to reach out to a lot of people to help us out. Um And we've just been kind of, there's been just stuff popping up, it seems, you know. So we had, you know, a route finalized and we submitted it and they basically told us that there was no way we were going to be able to do it because it was too long. This was originally, I think, like the whole 26 miles that we wanted to submit. And they said that the cost of police would be too much and they were no longer doing big events like this after COVID. Um... And even if they were, we would need a cop at every street corner. So I think the price for police alone was like $20,000 or something like that. Mm. And we just, you know, that one of the one of the reasons why was because of the police presence. You know, it was really difficult for us to get that there, especially with all of the money and everything. And then we tried to submit a permit, but then I think it never even got submitted to the city. Um, by, yeah, like we tried to submit it and then every like week or something, they'd come back and be like, well, actually you're missing this. And then we'd give it to them. And then the next week it'd be like, and you're also missing this, you know? So it was kind of like, it felt like they were prolonging that process on purpose instead Mm -hmm. of just giving us a list of what we needed to send them every week, they would come out with something new and then we found out that it was never even submitted and that the cost of police presence just and, you know, there was too much going on with that. And we were basically just told that there was like very low chances that we were going to be able to do a street race successfully. Um, 
And obviously that was like one of the worst things I think <laughs> we could have ever wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it is really, really difficult bouncing back like as a group um, after that, because this news is also pretty fresh. We didn't know that we were going to have to make, you know, some really big adjustments to our race until a couple of weeks ago. So um trying to like navigate that and also like adapt and do something that we're all wanting to get behind as a group has been like the most difficult thing as well. Mm-hmm. Um so it it's just been crazy trying to work with the city and you know get our permits together and and all of that. So do you feel that the city didn't want your race to happen and they were being difficult with helping you along your journey to get the permits? Um, yes, I definitely will say um, the city was being a little difficult when it did come to submitting our permits because at first the biggest concern was how intrusive it was on surrounding neighborhoods, especially because we were going in the West End. So that was a big concern. So when we had to adjust it and we had the idea of doing 5K to 10K loops, that could equal the distance of a full marathon of 26.2 miles or a half marathon of 13.1 miles. You know, I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, like, that's, you know, that's that's cute. But, like, that's not enough. Like, it has to be <laughs> something that's, like, mm-hmm. more than that. So, we're like, okay. So, we submitted both ideas for the 5K and the 10K loops. 10K didn't go through. It was still too long or something like that. And we just had the 5K, which would equal the distance of, like, 13.1 miles or 26.2 miles. So we're like, okay, so we submitted the permit for that already. And like Jamia said, it was, oh, okay, well, what about this? What about this? You need to submit this. You need to relook at this. Like, it was just a whole bunch of, like, running around. And at this point, we already are, like, what, two months out, two, two and a half months out. We're like, okay, like, you know, we want to, because registration is open. So, you know, we know that we have runners and we know that we have people that support us. But it's like, at the end of the day, what are they going to run if we can't get this together? You know, so we were like, okay. So then eventually it just came to the whole, well, you know, your permits were never submitted. We're like, what do you mean? So we're like, okay, so what what have we been doing for the past, you know, month, two months to kind of get everything where it needs to be? So ultimately, like Jamia said, this happened like two weeks ago, I think. And to be completely transparent, completely transparent, it was like one of the biggest Probably most like I don't want to say heartbreaking, but literally like heartbreaking things are like the it group has had devastating. To like it was really like it was devastating sh- because it's yeah. like we worked to kind of like get the justice and kind of show what all can be fixed in the city. But I think because of our message and because of you know maybe some of the things that we are representing as you know women and students of color that's Mm -hmm. not always accepted or encouraged by certain people so to know that we're kind of like okay but then they like you know we're not going to dial back our purpose and what it is that we're doing to make the next person feel comfortable because that's not how you get justice and that's not how things get fixed so we were just going to keep it and we just have to end up doing a track race and you know we can talk a little bit more about that but um yeah definitely it was really difficult and I know like some of us are like still like recuperating from that because in a way like it felt like we couldn't do everything that we wanted to do mm-hmm. so it kind of was like really disappointing on our end but we still wanted to make sure that we gave 
everyone an event and we wanted to make sure that we still gave everyone like what it is that we promised them. Mm -hmm. So who are you dealing with at the city of Louisville? (sighs) The city of what's what was the name of the woman who was with, who was talking to us when we found out about the permits? who was Uh, there representing the city? I do not recall her name exactly. Um, but we found out over, we found out about it over like a conference call. Like we were like it was virtual, um, and we have been working with the Louisville Urban League, and they have kind of helped, you know, de- like donate their facilities to us to use for the event. So that is where everything will be held. Um, but we were on a call with them, a few representatives from the city, and our race director. So we kind of just found out about it. I really cannot recall her name. I am, I cannot, but. um, Yeah, when it comes to most of like the, like interactions between like um, the city side of things, that was like mainly conversations that were held with our race director. Um, uh, We, our race director is uh, DC timing. I don't know if that like means any, like, I don't know if like you recognize that name or not, but. <laughs> it's um that's like who we were like you know having you know uh run more of the you know like permits helping us out with that helping us get everything approved you know mm-hmm. all of that stuff we you know he took that role very early on so um most of those conversations were with him but I remember um the yeah because I remember there was a woman there but I I can't remember her name so this DC timing, were they like the intermediary trying, what I'm trying to get at is, was there ever hope that you were going to get these permits in the beginning and it was just dragged along or was it like up in the air from the get go? Um, To be completely transparent, I would say it was a little bit of both. Um, I think the up in the air part comes from the fact that we had to do so much, you know, adapting for the route. So to go from a 26-mile straight shot through the West End of Louisville, that was one thing. But then to loop it and make it less intrusive and make it not stretch as far, that kind Mm -hmm. of changed the dynamic of everything. But we Mm -hmm. weren't promised or, you know, encouraged and just really, like, you know, persuaded to the fact that we were able to do a road race and that we were actually able to be just like on the road, like running through, like, you know, visiting the neighborhood so we could really see just how beautiful the West End of Louisville is. But I think just kind of with the permits and just the back and forth from the city, I think it kind of just, you know, kind of went more up and up in the air as time went on. Um, mm-hmm. And it kind of just was like that towards like the end when we got the news. So DC Timing, they're a timing organization. They do race production, scholastic timing, whatever. So is there someone from that company that is actually helping you to put on the race or are they just doing the timing, like the bibs and the timing mats? So we work with David. Um, I know specifically he is helping with the timing. So when the runners are running on the track, like he's doing that, the bibs, everything else. Um, But as far as actually helping us plan, in the event, he has helped put us in, like, contact with, like, artists, graphic designers, and people for, like, T-shirts, a logo, and things like that. So we have worked with him, like, you know, kind of just, you know, expanding our network and talking more about the project because he was, or he is someone that can, like, 
still market for us and push what it is that we're doing. Um, but for the most part, he is just helping us with like the timing, like the actual like, you know, race stuff that'll be happening on the day of the race. Mm-hmm. So their company is not black owned, right? Doesn't look like no, it. Not believe <laughs> no, so your school, is it predominantly black? Yes. I would say yes. Yeah. Wagner is, I think, over 64% African-American, I think. Okay. Or those were, I think those are the statistics when I was a freshman, I believe. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you guys had to pivot. The race is no longer a marathon. It's a shorter distance. So where is the race going to take place now? Yes, so now we uh, unfortunately do have to keep everything confined to the Louisville Urban League Norton Sports and Learning Complex. So Mm -hmm. they have a a beautiful indoor and outdoor uh, track. So we have turned it into a track race. Uh, so registrations are still open and everything, the symbolism is still there. So instead of doing the um, 26 and 13 miles, we want to do the 26 and 13 laps. Mm-hmm. And like we want this to be an annual thing as well. And, you know, we recognize that this is not, like, the exact vision that we, like, have had from the jump, you know. So we've had to do a lot of adapting and a lot of changing. So our hopes for this project is to always make it bigger and better than it was the year before. Uh, But this year we've, you know, had to, you know, go over a lot of challenges and roadblocks. So we are doing a track race at at the Norton Sports and Learning Complex. And we're doing a group uh, 26 lap relay and then also a single, uh, I think, is it 13 laps or is it, yep, it's 13 laps? And so we're doing a 26 laps. Um, and just to kind of talk more about the symbolism, because I know like we reference it just because it's so common mm-hmm. to us. Um, mm-hmm. But we oh, are doing yeah. a 26 lap uh, relay. Um, it's going to be a five-person team, so it's 26 laps around the track for each year of Brown and Taylor's life. Um, and then we plan to do a 1.3 mile, which is kind of similar to the number 13, um, because everything happened on March 13th. So 1.3 miles is roughly, I think, five laps around the track, and that is our individual option. And then there's also a virtual option where runners can run through a park, through their neighborhood, or wherever, um, to their preferred distance. Um, they could also probably do that in a relay as well if they wanted to, but um, that mm-hmm. one is mainly marketed as an individual thing. So, so for the virtual option, because I'm sure we're going to get some listeners for the runway to sign up for your virtual option. What do you get when you sign up for the virtual race? So, when signing up for the virtual race, um, first of all, starting with the cost, it is thirty-five dollars, mm-hmm. um, and that is on our website, futureancestors502.org. Um, but also with that, we'll probably give you guys some swag, so just like a bag, t-shirts, you know, just things to kind of just show them, like, hey, like you did the race for justice. We'll see you next year, kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. So we are still working to get T-shirts and to kind of get medals and things like that to kind of share with our participants, and those will either be mailed or distributed in some way but we'll make sure that everyone gets one who participates mm-hmm. okay and how is your support with your local community do you have any businesses like giving donations because you're going to need water you're going to need sports drinks maybe you know snacks bananas things like that do you have any local organizations that are helping you guys out 
Yes, the the Louisville Urban League has been one of our saving graces throughout this. Uh, they are a, a wonderful organization, I think, stemming from the the National Urban League. <laughs> so mm-hmm. they uh, they're the local Louisville chapter. It's uh, overran by a phenomenal woman named Sadiqa Reynolds. She is amazing, and the Louisville Urban League has helped us out so much like they the way they believe in this group of high schoolers has given me hope for the future because they have really been you know you know with us the whole time and supporting us and they are the people who own the Norton Sports uh, and Learning Complex where we are holding the track race as well and they very kindly donated that facility so we, you know, are using that facility, which I think has a regular rate of $10,000. So we have, yeah, so they have definitely, and not only that, but they have also helped us um, with a a lot of things earlier in the year. We took a trip to uh, San Diego, California to talk about, you know, our class and everything. And they, you know, helped fund that trip as well. So they have been really working with us and really helping us out uh, throughout the entire process. Okay. So I read on your website that you have a documentary that is kind of being filmed of your whole process. Who Who is filming you guys? And like, what's the, what is going to be the outcome of this documentary? What are you going to use it for? So predominantly, it is us filming ourselves, um, but we have worked with, you know, other media outlets such as Best Dad Media here in Louisville. Um, he has worked with other groups from the Justice Now Initiative, um, and he's recorded them. So he has recorded clips and things of us when we go to events um, that we can use in the documentary. And we have also worked with Luck Laboratories. Um, we've worked with Lillian Campbell and James Michael Marshall. They're both from California. So they kind of came down um, one week in, like, November and they helped us interview a bunch of community leaders for the documentary Mm -hmm. Um, and just things kind of put together to just kind of show what it is that we've been doing so far Um, but pretty much at the beginning we had the idea of kind of making the documentary about other people and making it about their lives just kind of how they've been impacted like by the injustice that we're fighting for Um, but we're kind of like okay so you know we were thinking about that until you know Mr. Marshall he was like okay like but how are you guys really going to get how they feel about these things? And how are you really going to, like, show that to whoever's watching? So we're like, okay, well, maybe maybe we can't do that. So we're like, okay, so let's try to find something and pivot and make it about us. Since we're the ones that are planning the race, it has not always been fun, smiles, and rainbows. It's just been work. And this has mm-hmm. been two years worth of working and experience and networking to get to where we are. So we're like, okay, maybe let's make it about us. So we do vlogs really often, like whenever we go out anywhere, we try to vlog. And these are also seen on like our social media because we're trying to establish our social media presence as well. So mainly Mm -hmm. Instagram, we're working on TikTok, we have a Twitter, and we're thinking about Facebook um, just to kind of continue to outreach to more people. But um, these are clips that we want to use to put in the documentary and just to kind of show what all we have had to go through in these past two years to kind of make the race for justice happen. The the documentary will be kind of like the way that like we, you know, can like look at 
all of our progress like in one place like we want to just kind of like film like our process like making the race as a group of teenagers from Louisville who you know wanted to you know talk about social justice in their communities so you know we're just trying to film our process and you know share our, share our ideas with anybody who you know wants to listen so that's you know what we hope to get uh out of the documentary and everything and mm-hmm. that is you know oversaw by one of our group members uh Crescence. uh she's like handles all of that and handles it so much better than I could because she'll <laughs> like she has to like edit everything and we are we are not professional anything so it, it's you know difficult uh but yeah Mm-hmm. So there were quite a few charities that a portion of the proceeds from the race are going to go to. Tell me how you came up with which charities you've chosen and why in particular that you ch- picked these charities to contribute to. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Go ahead, girl. Just all you. All right. So I would say, uh, like I said earlier, there were injustices that we have seen in the city of Louisville that us as a group and us as individuals were passionate about. So our organizations deal with civil rights, LGBTQ plus matters, environmental justice, ableism, immigration and prison reform. So most of these organizations, we had to, you know, we were just lucky enough to be able to network with these people who were attached to these organizations. So, for example, for the civil rights and justice and just things around that, we have the um, Roots 101 African American Museum here in Louisville, Kentucky. And we have had the pleasure of working with Mr. Collins for just, I think, the whole, like, kind of two years that we've kind of just been planning this. Um, He was Mm -hmm. definitely one of our earliest connections. And he kind of told us what it is that he does at the, like, at his museum. Um, and you just like everything that's about, which is about, you know, empowering black people and just kind of bringing awareness and just, you know, the equality that's still needed in today. So we were like, OK, like you want to be a partner? So we just pretty much started working with him. And like that was just our one organization for civil rights. And then we kind of just had to do our research and continue to network to find the other organizations that deal with each injustice as well. So we are doing Queer Kentucky for LGBTQ plus matters. We're doing Americana and La Casita Center for immigration. We're doing Mattingly Edge for ableism. And we're doing the Louisville Bell Project for prison reform. Did I miss any? Or is that it? I, I, think, I, think, uh, I think that is all of them. Yeah. I think because we, we're a very, like, diverse group as well. Most of us are women of color. Most of us are also queer people of color. So there are a lot of people in our in our like group who like have things like not only to lose but things to gain when it comes to you know like um living your life you know so there are not only are we super passionate about getting that justice for ourselves but getting those getting that justice for people like us who cannot you know who are in a position where they cannot try and do it themselves so one of the biggest things that we were looking for when you know looking for organizations to like partner with and to raise money for we just really wanted it to be people who like you know are supportive of you know not just us and what we're doing but just of the people in their lives and I think 
not it's not only like the organizations you know and like what they're doing but the people who run it you know as well like we have we like to meet those people and make sure that like you know they're sane (laughs) so Mm -hmm. but yeah so we're all uh we're a very diverse group so we definitely felt it was really important to get a, a vast majority of organizations who we felt like could really represent uh, the type of message that we were trying to get out. Mm-hmm. So Louisville is like not really the, what do you guys consider like the Midwest? I consider it the Midwest, but I'm not from here. And everyone I say that to <laughs> always wants to bite my head off. They're mm-hmm. like, this is not the Midwest. And I I'm think- like, it's not really the I South. You're like the middle of the country. Yeah. But <laughs> I mean, okay. I've heard, I don't know. It's crazy because some people say well, we're we like, have Menards here. So I would I, consider it look, the Midwest. I, I don't know. But some people say like <laughs> the most like northern city, like in the South, if that makes I don't know how that works. I have nothing <laughs> to direct. I don't know. But that's just what people say. So I'm like, okay, like. I, I, I think, think you're, you're Midwest because like, you're like diagonal to, yeah. to Ohio and that's like kind of the Midwest. I think everybody <laughs> outside of Kentucky would consider it the Midwest. But uh-huh. because yeah. also uh-huh. because we live in Louisville, mm-hmm. I think people who live in Louisville don't want to admit that they live in the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> I was asking you how, you know, it's it's described geographically because you mentioned LGBTQ plus quite a few times. So yeah. is is the queer community accepted in Louisville? How is that there? I'd, I'd say the queer community, well, I think, firstly, it's very different in other parts of Kentucky than it is in Louisville. You know, mm-hmm. Louisville and Lexington are the bigger cities. And this, this is, we, we do live in a red state, um, and but Louisville and Lexington are like blue cities. So um, for the most part, I'd say that like Louisville is like the more like accepting part of Kentucky. I do think just like pretty much everywhere, we do have a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I think in our school specifically, there actually is a lot of like, unfriendliness towards the LGBTQ community, which is one of the biggest reasons why going into this, it was one of the things that was on the forefront of my mind. Um, because it's it, it really is like crazy the things that you hear because like you you don't feel that way. Like when you're not like someone who thinks that way, mm-hmm. it's like you almost forget that that mindset exists. Mm-hmm, so right. like hearing people like say like the disgusting things that they say about LGBTQ people just because they are in the LGBTQ community um, is, you know, it it is very it's it's common here. I'd say because it is a bigger city, um, some of it is more, you know, swept under the rug because it's not as um, blatant or pre- pre- prevalent prevalent. Prevalent. Mm -hmm. Prevalent. Okay. I knew one of them was (laughs) a word. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, yeah, I'd I'd say yes and no. It's yeah. 
Do you guys have, because being from a, a big city like New York, you know, it's, it's like, it's like the normal, not really, but kind of is, you know, it's not, yeah. you know, so frowned upon, I guess, anymore, but you know, there's still stigma attached to it. Is there a community? Right. Do you have a community there that is just for you or for the LGBTQ I, plus of your age group? Oh, yeah, like at Wagner or like... Just in general, even outside of school. So, yeah, so two two years ago, um, two years ago, I noticed that Wagner did not have a GSA or anything. Like, they had gotten rid of it. Um, so we did bring back the GSA. Um, so we do have that at Wagner. Um, and that's run by some LGBTQ uh, teachers at our school who have really made, you know, a safe space uh, at our school for LGBTQ kids because there are a good amount of LGBTQ kids who go to our school. Um, and there are a good amount of people who are, you know, less, who are a little ignorant who go to our school as well. So we thought it was really important to have that space there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there are, like, I think the communities of, um, LGBTQ people that I see um, are usually, uh, you know, they meet each other through, you know, clubs and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Where it's, you know, there's been a safe space created. So they, they know they can trust these people like outside of school and like all of that. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm happy to hear that you actually have teachers that are, you know, LGBTQ because I'm not going to tell you how old I am. But (laughs) when I was growing up, that was not a thing. It did not exist at all. You know, we saw it on TV and, you know, it was from a distance. So I'm glad that you guys have, you know, those LGBTQ in your actual school that you can, you Mm -hmm. know, speak to about topics that affect you. And, you know, they understand because they went through it and probably... a totally different way from the way you guys are experiencing it now. So that's great. So tell me what's coming up for you, future ancestors. It's May, you're seniors in high school. What's up for you guys next year? It's getting hot outside. Mm -hmm. Literally hot. um, Just for kind of us, we do have like, well, like it's just finals week and all that fun stuff mm-hmm. coming up. It's senior week and graduation and everything like that. Um, but approaching quickly is the Race for Justice. It's June 18th, um, mm-hmm. Saturday, June 18th of this year. Um, it's going to start at about 8 a.m. and it's going to end at about 3 p.m. So there will be the running events, which is a track race that has the distances of the 26th um, lab relay. And there's also the five laps, which equals 1.3 miles. Excuse me. And around this time, we'll also be doing a celebration event. So we plan to have community like speakers, organizations that are specifically black owned. And just as well as just kind of just other organizations that we see that are just kind of, you know, associated with the injustice that we see and just also people that we want there. Um, They will have an opportunity to market their business and promote themselves and just you know, just kind of interact with each other. Um, so our idea is to have, you know, maybe a few speakers at the beginning um, when we know that we can kind of get everybody in the same place before everyone starts running or before people start leaving. So we plan to do that about eight to nine and then start staggering the runners so that they can run, you know, the relay or do the individual or something like that. 
So we're just still, you know, planning out the logistics of that because it is approaching soon. But there will be a celebration event going on the whole day just to kind of keep those good vibes going and just to give people something to do, you know, while they're waiting to run or before they run or after or just anything like that. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Mm -hmm. And what are you guys' plans for next year? Are you going to college? Are you going to a trade school? What are, what are you guys going to be up to? Yeah, all of us, all of the seniors, uh, except for one, I think, all of the seniors in the group except for one, we're all going to the same college. We're all going yeah. to the University <laughs> of Louisville in the oh, fall. Oh, nice. That's great. Um, yeah, we, we just love each other so much. We can't get enough of each other. <laughs> You know, where where would I be without without Nubia Ali? Where would I be without you, girl? But, yeah, so we're all going to college in the fall. Most of us will be at the same campus. Most of us will be local. So we do plan on working closely. Yeah, mm -hmm. we do plan on working closely with this group for as long as, as long as, you know, our schedules allow us to and mm -hmm. <laughs> all of that. So we're really excited to see like the future. I'm, I'm so excited. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be great. So are you handing off the reins of the organization to the juniors that are coming up behind you? Yes. I say so. But they're going to have to do some recruiting because there's only two of them. And just given everything that we've had to go through these past two years, we were not just going to be like, here's everything, figure it out yourself. So we just want yeah. to help them that it's not as much work on them. And, you know, hopefully just with this being our first year, we do have some more leeway. So we kind of know what it is that we want moving forward in the next year. Mm -hmm. So that'll hopefully make it easier for them. But, um, yeah, we're trying to make it as seamless as possible, considering it's only literally going to be two of them left. Um, but yeah, aside from that, we're still just working yeah. on it. And mm -hmm. we're trying to get this trying to, to be an event. So, yeah, that's what I would say. Okay. Well, I'm happy that you guys were persistent and I was able to speak with you because I told one of my uh, running colleagues about your mission. And, you know, he said, there's hope for the next generation. And that's how I felt as well, because you guys are growing up totally different than we grew up. You know, we didn't have the TikTok, the Instagram, all of these outside influences. So I'm happy that, you know, you youngsters are trying to make a difference within your community and you're you reached out to me. So you're going to, you know, reach out to my audience and spread your cause nationwide, because I know a lot of people, y'all. So. <laughs> I know gonna, that's right. Yeah, we're gonna get the run crews on your mission and get them registered, and hopefully bring your numbers up, and you know, just get the word out and help you guys out. So, I want to thank you for being on the Runway Podcast. Tell everybody where they can register for the event at. What is the website? So, our yes. website is futureancestors502.org. Um, so when you click it, there's going to be two boxes at the top. So one is just going to be registering for the race. And then another box is going to be talking about the race itself. And that's just kind of just kind of that was like our starter website. I'm not even going to lie. So it's kind of just what we built over <laughs> these two years. But when you click the like register, then that's when you really get to meet the members and just get to know a little bit about us. You guys can read our bios as well as sign up for all of the events. Um, the prices are on there. So if there's anything else that you guys need, we do have our contacts on there. So if there are any questions, please feel free to reach out. Yep. And 
Yeah, our contact and our social media is all on there as well. So definitely, if you check out our website, keep you know keep some tabs on us on social media because we're Please. we're always active on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and we're trying the- to you know get our audience up. For those that are not runners, walkers, joggers, you have a donation link on there as well. Yes. Okay, so I'll be sure to include that donation link because and get on Facebook because that's where the old people hang out and the old okay. people got money to spend. So y'all gotta you get know, on Facebook. That, <laughs> that's that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Get okay. on Facebook. <laughs> all they right, have so money and all the time, ex- all the time in the world. Listen, my mother lives on Facebook. She's older and she got money. So that's where y'all need to be to promote your cause and just to uh, solicit donations. That's a good place to be. So again, I want to thank you ladies for being on the runway podcast. I'll be sure to leave all of their details down below so we can register as for their race. You know, this running community, we're a tight running community and we support our own. So we're going to be there to support you guys. Thank Thank you you so much. for having us. We really appreciate everything. Of course. Thank you. All right. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Nubia and Jamia. I will leave the link to their race down below in the description. You can click on it. I'll have a link on my Instagram page. It'll be on the Runwave website as well. Make sure you register for their virtual option of the race. I'm counting on you, the running community that is tuning into this show to support these students in Louisville on their mission to keep Brianna Taylor's name alive and just to be young activists in their community, um, as well as supporting the LGBTQ plus community as well. So thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Runway Podcast, and I will catch y'all on the next one. Later. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of The Run Wave. If you are a runner that has a story to tell, feel free to email hello at therunwave.com or shoot me a DM on Instagram at The Run Wave. Don't forget to follow The Run Wave on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are The Run Wave on all platforms. Subscribe to our email list. It is listed down below in the notes of this show. And subscribe to The Run Wave on YouTube, the visual episode of this show will be posted there.